Well, this morning we're talking about none other than Thanksgiving. Really more thankfulness than Thanksgiving, though. But Thanksgiving is a day we choose to celebrate. It's, it's a choice, right? It's easy to find things to complain about. It seems like, especially these days. Oh, I have to do this, or I can't believe they make me do that, or I don't want to do this. We could be more specific than general, I suppose, but there's an awful lot of things we could find if we choose to complain. But it's better to choose to say, thank you, Lord, for the good that you have brought in my life. I saw a picture recently of a calendar. Some of you may have seen this, and it was a calendar, and it showed the whole month of November and the whole month of December. And all of November and December were marked Christmas. And then there was three little days in November that said Thanksgiving. Get that? All of November and December was Christmas, but three days was Thanksgiving. It's good to focus on Christmas, but Thanksgiving is not just three little days in our calendar for a year, right? Thanksgiving is a lifestyle, should be a lifestyle for us. This morning, we're going to look at Psalms chapter 100 and verses 4 and 5, and some thoughts uh, specifically, specifically from verse 5 this morning. But we'll read verses 4 and 5. Familiar verses. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And then it gives three reasons why. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. The Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. We often or I find myself often, when I thank the Lord, I thank him for what he has done for me. Is that good? Sure. It's great to say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life and how you've led me and how you've blessed me. Those are great things to be thankful for. This verse is a different focus. This is, thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you because of your character. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you are merciful. Thank you that you are true. And so those are the three thoughts that we're going to look at this morning and just break them down a little bit. So the first one, the Lord is good. Or you can call this the goodness of God. The goodness of God. In the book of Exodus, when Moses said, Lord, I want to see you. I want to see your glory. The Bible says that the, the God caused all of his goodness to come before Moses. The goodness of God is really his glory. The fact that God is good is a glorious and magnificent thing. It's interesting here. You may have heard me share this before, so excuse me if you've had, but it's a good reminder. Good here, when it says the Lord is good, it means things like he is beautiful. He is the best. He is bountiful. He is cheerful. He is gracious. He is joyful. He is kind. He is loving. If you look up the original definition, all these things are in there, and God is all these. These are definitions, we could say, of his goodness. And he is these always. We can depend and be thankful on the fact that God is always good. I was thinking of a few illustrations for each of these that we can think of and maybe apply to our own lives. We can see illustrations of the goodness of God throughout the Bible. So it was not hard to find some illustrations biblically for these. I'm reading through Exodus 
in my Bible reading right now. And I just read in the passage where it talked about how he did all the miracles and the plagues and he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And I've never had this picture before, but I had the picture when I was reading this time. The Bible specifically says that there was 600,000 men and then women and children as well. And I had this picture of them walking through the streets of Egypt, probably two or three million people strong going through the streets of that land on their way out. Picture that in our own town, in our own country, two or three million people being set free by the goodness of God, walking through our streets. That would be incredible. And Moses, he recounted this story later in Exodus chapter 18, verses 8 and 9. He's recounting it to his father-in-law. This is the first time that he'd seen his father-in-law and his family for a while. And they come out to meet him in the wilderness, and he tells Jethro, his father-in-law, what had happened. And it says, when Moses told his father-in-law of all that God had done, Jethro, this is what the verse says, rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel. He said, hallelujah, God is so good to his people. He is good. We could also give the example of King David and the goodness of God in his life. In the Psalms, we won't read the whole chapter, but Psalms 21, it talks about the goodness of God specifically in some very specific ways in the life of David. And in verse 3, it says, thou preventest him, or that word just means meet, so you, you meet him with blessings of goodness. And God did, didn't he? In the life of David, he met him with blessings of goodness. Some great difficulty in his life, but God was always good to him. And so David wrote in Psalms 23 and verse 6, he said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness, the goodness of God is always there with me all the days of my life. That was David's testimony. Titus, our son Titus right now is, is he was reading a book. He's probably done reading that book about 20 books ago. And this was only as of a week or two back, he was reading this one. So Titus loves to read a lot. But he was reading a book on D-Day and World War II and just some of the facts of D-Day and how really that was the turning point of the war. Even though the war went on a year and a half after that, that was the turning point. And I was thinking as Titus was recounting some of the events that he was reading about, how God was so good, even though it was such a horrible time. But imagine if the war's outcome wasn't what it was. What would the world have become? God was good to allow the enemy to be defeated. I was also thinking recently of God's goodness, even in the Thanksgiving story. Now, we know the Thanksgiving, the, sorry, the original Thanksgiving story here in America, let's put it that way, with the pilgrims. And we're familiar with that story and how the, God provided for them and, and took care of their needs, even though it was a really tough time. But when they had that bountiful harvest, they gave thanks to God. But I read some time ago this, what I call the lesser known part of the Thanksgiving story, that the second year they had a, a bountiful harvest, but they didn't take the time to give God thanks. They were so busy bringing in their crops that they didn't turn and say thank you to God. And so the third year, which was 1623, they were busy building bigger houses, they were planting more corn, trading with the Indians and doing really well. And guess what happened? Drought, bad drought. 
struck the land. And week after week, there was no rain. The Indians even said, this is the worst drought that we have ever seen. The corn completely dried up, the ground dried and cracked. So in July of that year, Governor Bradford, he called together all the leaders and he said, guys, we know that this is happening for a reason and we don't know why. And so they took the time to seek God and they fasted and prayed together in the church. Many people were convicted and rededicated their lives to the Lord, came to terms with God and some things that were wrong with each other. Later that very afternoon, in that year of 1623 in July, as they came out of the church, the sky had been blue for weeks and it was cloudy when they came out of the church. This was an incredible story. It began to rain that afternoon and it rained for 14 days after they gave and turned and said, thank you, Lord, and got their lives back in order when they had become so self-focused on how well things were going, so busy with their good life, they forgot to thank God. And it took a bad time for them to turn around and again give thanks to the Lord. It's important to keep a thankful spirit. I was thinking of my own life. I have seen God's goodness in providing for my family, in taking care of us. I've seen his graciousness. I've seen his long suffering and his patience in many areas of my life. And I can say that God is more patient with me than I am with myself sometimes. And you can probably say that too. We serve a very patient and long-suffering God. There's a verse in the Bible, Psalm 33, verse 5, that says the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The whole earth is full to the top with the goodness of the Lord. Look around you and you will see it, even in your own life. We pray this prayer. I pray this prayer often at our daily devotions at the table. I say, thank you, Lord, that we are alive and have breath this morning. That is often how I start our family prayers. Our very life is something to be thankful for. If you have health or food to eat or water to drink, a place to live, or if you look around and you see all the beauty of nature that God created, all these things are the signs of the goodness of God in the whole earth. He is a good God. So no matter what happens around us, we can be thankful for the fact that God is good all the time, no matter what. And not only is he good, the Bible says, and we know this verse, that he works all things together for our good. If we love him, if we serve him, he's always working for good in our life, even if it looks like it's very difficult. We can trust him that he's working for good. So today, this week, for the rest of your life, give thanks because God is good. And think of specific times, I'd say, especially this week when we're focusing on Thanksgiving. And you can share these next Sunday in the testimony time. But think of these specific times when you have seen the goodness of God in your life. In the next part of that verse, it says, His mercy is everlasting in Psalms 100 verse 5. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. So God is good in all that he does all the time. But while he is being and doing good, he loves to show mercy. He loves to show mercy. Mercy literally means kindness. And in some of your translations of the Bible you may be using, many times the Bible um, says mercy, it will be translated as loving kindness. Because that's literally the definition of mercy, to love to show kindness. And we serve a God who loves to show kindness 
And again, not temporarily, it's everlasting. He loves to show kindness forever. This is the very nature of the God we serve. He is not an angry God. He is not a mean God. He loves to show kindness. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9 says in paraphrase that God keeps mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. I did the math on that. I don't really know how long a generation is, but today I guess maybe 20 years, maybe it's 30, I don't know, but I went with the number 20. And if it's a thousand generations, that's 20,000 years. God keeps mercy with the ones who love him and keep his commandments to 20,000 years. That's a long time. And then in Exodus 34, verse 7, 30, Exodus 34, 7, it says, keeping mercy for thousands. So it's not like a long time for a limited number of people. It's a long time for a lot of people. A lot of people. God is a merciful God. That word keeping in that verse in Exodus means guarding. God guards mercy for thousands. Means he guards his kindness. He does not let anything get in the way of his kindness. Psalms 103 verse 4 has a similar thought. It says, who crowneth thee with loving kindness. Psalms 103 verse 4. And you would think, oh, God's kindness is like a, a, a crown on my head, something that everybody can see. And it, you could take it as that. But if you look up the word crowneth, literally it means to encircle for attack or protection. To encircle for a, an offensive or to encircle for a defensive is what the word crowneth means. And it says, God crowns you with love and kindness, meaning he's on the offensive to show you his kindness, and he's on the defensive to keep his kindness from being kept from you. Amen. Amen. Have you ever had something get in the way of your kindness? Okay, I think humanly, I got one yes and some nods. Come on, if we're honest with ourselves, it's yes, all right? <laughs> Maybe we were in a good mood. And we were feeling great. And then something happened that changed our attitude. And what happens on a human level when our attitude changes? How do we tend to treat other people when we ourselves are not feeling very good or in a bad mood? We tend to be unkind. That is humanly. God says, I guard my kindness. No matter what happens to God, God is always kind to you and me. It doesn't matter what happens to him. Nothing gets in the way of it. And you know, I was thinking about this. Pastor Bailey would often teach, and it's in some of his books. I looked up the references. He, would, he said that mercy, or this kindness, is the highest revelation of God. And it was based in, in what he said on Exodus 34, verse 6, when Moses said, show me your, your face and, or your glory. And the Lord said, I'll pass my, cause my goodness to pass before you. And then he said, I am the Lord, the Lord God, merciful. And that's that word kindness. That was the very first characteristic of God that he told to Moses. This is my glory. My kindness is my glory. And, and, and Pastor Bailey always also said, because the, the mercy seat of God was above the ark or the law. So his mercy was above his law. But I think it's the highest revelation of God. God protects it very, very greatly to make sure that nothing gets in the way of that kindness. One of the greatest ways that we see and explain the kindness of God or the mercy of God 
is by looking at those who haven't deserved it. Now, none of us deserve it, but there are some, some who show themselves as greater examples of ones who didn't deserve it, perhaps. We can put it that way. No matter the heinousness of a sin, God always shows himself as someone who will forgive that sin. If somebody will yet just come to him and repent, God will forgive them no matter what they have done. What kindness is that? Can you imagine if somebody did something terrible to you or your family, how hard it would be to forgive them? But we serve a God who forgives no matter what is done. In the Bible, we find the story of the example of Joseph, a great example of the mercy of God. In Genesis chapter 39, verses 20 and 21, it says there, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, or that word kindness, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So even while Joseph was having all these bad things happen to him, in the midst of the account, it says, but God was with him. And God showed him favor, or God showed him mercy and kindness. Peter is also another great example. You know, Joseph, we could say he didn't do anything wrong. God just let all these things happen in his life. Well, Peter, we know the story of Peter. Most of us, when we say, which Bible character do you most um, put yourself like? We say, I'm kind of like Peter. (laughs) I've heard that many times. Peter, with somebody that he had followed and been basically the right-hand man of for three years, three and a half years with Jesus, the day came to crunch time, and he was asked, or he was told, you're one of those guys, you're one of the disciples. Peter said, I don't know that guy. What would you do if your best friend, your closest person on earth, as soon as you got in trouble, they stepped away from you and said, I don't know him. How would that make you feel? Not very good. And yet Jesus, after he was risen from the dead and he was again with Peter, he, didn't, he wasn't angry with him. He didn't berate him. He said, do you love my people? Do you love my sheep? Take care of them. He gave Peter a call and showed him God's love and God's mercy when Peter had messed up. There's a man in in history named John Newton. If you have not heard of him, you've heard of the song that he wrote, Amazing Grace. And John Newton was, was a slave trader. He was not a good character at all. And God, in his mercy and his kindness, turned him from slave trader to preacher and to hymn writer through the mercy and the forgiveness of God. Now think about your own life and your own story. You were never a slave trader, as far as I know. I was never a slave trader. But in looking at my own life, I could have made a shipwreck out of my life. Back in my early years, especially my teenage years, God showed his mercy to keep me in a time when I was not making amazing choices, and he forgave me when I came to him and repented of some of the choices I made when I was a teenager. And you can probably look back in your life and see some of those things that God is kind and merciful. So what is your story of God's mercy? This is one of the greatest applications of an area to give thanks to God, is the fact that he is merciful and kind in each of our lives. 
So God shows us his kindness very often, even when we don't deserve it. Today, this week, and for the rest of your life, give thanks because God's kindness to you is everlasting. It never fails. And the third part of Psalms 100 and verse 5 is that his truth endures to all generations. His truth endures to all generations. And like I like to do, if you couldn't tell, I looked up what generations means, and it's just a revolution of time. So God's truth endures through all the revolutions of time. That tells me until things cease to exist, God's truth will endure. It endures forever and does not, does not change. We live in a time right now when it's hard to know what is true. Would you agree with me? It doesn't really matter what your opinion is, but you can, you can, we can probably all agree that it's hard to know with everything being said what is really right and what is really wrong. We all have our opinions on what is right and what is wrong and who did what and what was said, but it's hard to know sometimes. There's corruption, scandals, conspiracy theories, science being used for power, for money, false advertising, multitudes of religions and opinions on those, etc., 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 etc. And all this has created what I term as an anti-generation, but probably skeptics would be a better word, a group of people who don't believe or agree with very much that's recognized in this generation, um, a group of skeptics. But in the midst of all this, we can be thankful that God is always true, that God's word is always true, and his ways are always true and right. There are three specific verses in the Bible that mention that God does not lie. And one of those specifically says in Hebrews 6, verse 18, that it is impossible for God to lie. Hebrews 6, 18, God cannot lie. And here's the reason why. Because John 14, 6, we know this one, it says, Jesus said, I am the truth. Well, if you are something, you cannot be something else. If he is truth, he doesn't just speak what is true. God is truth. It's who he is. And if that's who he is, truth cannot lie. That is an impossibility. You can't have both. So God is truth. And even further than that, John in John 17, verse 17, it says God's word is truth, which means the Bible that you hold in front of you, you can trust that. God's word is truth. And that you can go to, even when you look around you and go, I don't know what to believe. Sometimes people will ask or have a conversation about opinion on different things. And, and my answer often is, if I give one, is just to say, I don't really follow that. And you may say that's being disconnected. I might be a bit sometimes. But I'd rather go to God than to be focused on everything that's going on and who said what and who did what. I'd rather be focused on God and his truth. And I'll tell you, that brings a lot more peace to your life than the other. Now, this word truth in Psalms 100 verse 5, if you look up what it means, it also means stability and faithfulness. So many of your other Bible translations will say faithful or faithfulness in this verse instead of truth. His faithfulness endureth to all generations. Now, that's a different thought than truth, but it's also an amazing thought that God's faithfulness never goes away. He is stable. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, 
it calls God the rock. Look it up in your Bibles. It says God is the rock. Now, I googled the rock, and it comes up with this guy, some famous guy, I guess, named Dwayne Johnson. We're not going to preach about him this morning. He's a pretty big dude, but I think when you Google the rock, it should show or talk about God, because God is the rock. He does not change. He is stable, and he is faithful, and we can trust him always, no matter what. And one of the reasons he is the rock is because he's a God of truth. What he says is what he says. It's what he means. It does not change. And we can depend on him. So when we feel like we're surrounded by instability, by people maybe who let us down or we let other people down, know that God is always the stable rock. It says in the Bible that he never changes. He does not waver it says his faithfulness or truth is the same word in Psalms 36, 5, reaches the clouds. It's in the atmosphere when the rest of what we are and what we do on a human level is here on earth. God is so great and amazing. In illustration, we can see God's faithfulness again throughout the Bible. You could recount so many stories of the faithfulness of God in the lives of the saints in his word. But one of the biggest examples for me, and again, I'm reading Exodus, so maybe this is why right now, but his relationship with the children of Israel. They wandered from him. They complained about him. They complained to him. And yet he was faithful and true in his relationship with them. He didn't stop being their God because of how they treated him. And perhaps you find yourself complaining about God or complaining about your circumstances. Or maybe even like Israel, you find yourself wandering from him sometimes. Turn to him, know that he is a faithful God. He can be depended on. If you come to him, he will come running to you, just like the father and the prodigal son. The Bible says that Jesus is faithful. He told people, behold, I am with you always. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He is faithful and can be depended on. So today, this week, and for the rest of your life, give thanks because God's faithfulness and his truth endures until the end of all the ages. You can trust him. And it is these characteristics, among others, because God has so many great qualities, but these ones, his goodness and his kindness and his truth and faithfulness, they make him our rock. They make him our stability. I was thinking how much better it is to be thankful because it springs from your heart of gratitude, from my heart of gratitude, than it is to be told you must be thankful. You should give thanks how much better it is that it comes from inside of us. And that's my prayer for myself and for all of us today that we would recognize and understand on our human capacity how amazing God is, that our gratitude for him, our thanks for him would just spring out of us. Not because somebody stands here at the pulpit and says, you should enter his gates with thanksgiving. Well, I don't really feel like it right now. Well, that's the thing. We need to feel 
Do it when we don't feel like it, too. But, but it should come out of a heart of gratitude. I read this, uh, this on a calendar that we have at home, and I'll give, I'll, I'll give a tag for who it goes to, just give them honor. It came from a ministry called Revive Our Hearts, which, as some of you may know, uh, we did the forgiveness course a while ago from there, and their ministry is on, on reaching out to ladies, basically. But it had this quote on it, and it was incredible, I thought, for, for right now, for today. The, it was a prayer. Help me to acknowledge and express the benefits and blessings that I have received from you and others, and to give thanks even in the hard things. Protect me from discontentment and complaining. And I was saying, Lord, I think sometimes I need protection from discontentment and complaining, and I need help to be a thankful person. How many of us need help to be a thankful person sometimes? Okay, lots of hands. God is there to help us. He's a good God. He's a kind God. He's a faithful God. So let's go to him this morning in prayer and say, Lord, help us and protect us as well from complaining and discontentment. Lord, you are so good. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness, your mercy that you show. Thank you for your faithfulness and that you are true and you are dependable. Lord, I just thank you so much. You are an amazing, amazing God and such a good father. And Lord, I pray that you would help me and all of us here, Lord, to, to remember these things, to remember how good you are. But also, Lord, I pray that you would protect myself and all of us, Lord, from discontentment, from complaining in times when there's so much upheaval going on and it seems like there's so much to be discontent with and so much to complain about. Lord, help us all to be thankful people to recognize your goodness, to recognize your hand, to understand that you do all things well and that you work all things well in our life if we would but love you, look to you, and serve you. So again, Lord, we thank you for your amazingness. We pray these things in your name. Amen.